Hi, I'm Dave, and welcome to I'm Glad I Heard That. You're watching us on YouTube, so I'm going to ask that you would take a minute and you would smash that like button, and if you could also click on our subscribe. The long form of this conversation will be hosted on the uh, podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify, those things. Just search for I'm Glad I Heard That, and you'll get to hear a little bit more about my conversation with Brian Fullerton. Brian, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. This is great. Great. So I, um, I'm a little bit of a fanboy right now because uh, this has been a long time process. One of the things that I started about a year ago is I wanted to start a, uh, a grass cutting company, um, something that will eventually my daughters will be able to participate in and possibly run, depending on their interest and passion and so forth. And so one of the things that happened is, is while I'm on a build in Mexico, building a home for a family, I was talking with one of the missionaries I'm, I'm working with and he said, oh, you should talk to Scotty Westfall over there because he's been cutting grass for 10 years on the side too. So I started talking with Scotty and I say, hey, Scotty, blah, blah. Can I ask you some questions about equipment and so forth? He goes, yeah, tonight once we get back to the center, let's, let's plan this out. And I'm like, great. And he says to me in that conversation, he goes, when you get home, subscribe to Brian's Lawn Maintenance on YouTube. And this guy, he'll teach you everything about running a lawn care business. I'm like, oh, okay. So I get home and I, uh, I, I, I go to your channel and go, oh my gosh, Brian has 50,000 people subscribed teaching him. And all he's doing is talking lawn care, equipment, different things like that. And um, so I instantly subscribe and I jumped into the rabbit hole. Now, what I didn't tell you is, is that Many nights I fell asleep to the sound of your voice watching YouTube videos in bed sure. about proper ways to stripe a lawn sure. and how to pick a good blower and all these different things. <clears throat> and um, so then I, over time I started to hear um, the idea that your faith was coming through and your different, um, just different things you talked about. And so I reached out to you and said, would you be willing to come on our podcast and talk about it? And so it's kind of how we got here today. So welcome. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Uh, this is a really cool opportunity. Um, it's also nice to know that I have grown men watching the channel, not just nine-year-old kids, <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like a lot of my content <laughs> might be for, uh, but we just kind of bake that in there. Yeah. So yeah. this is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I am a 42-year-old child, so that's great. Um, and so one of the things I would like to ask uh, to kind of get us started is, First of all, how did you get your start in the lawn care industry? What's your backstory? Yeah, I mean, short story long, just like a lot of folks, uh, when you're a young kid, you know, 9, 10, 12 years old, <clears throat> you want to make some money and, you know, whether it's go buy Subway sandwich uh, sandwiches or you just want to buy some fireworks for the upcoming 4th of July, uh, when you're 10, 12 years old, you want to make a couple bucks. So it really goes that far back to where I was just the neighborhood kid with a push mower mowing the neighbors across the street and just making 10 or $12 for a lawn care cut. Now I grew up in a subdivision of a mobile home, you know, trailer park. And so my route density was pretty good. Right. We had the neighbor across the street, three neighbors down uh, around the house. So it was pretty normal for a kid to just push a mower a hundred feet down the road and have another customer. Mm -hmm. um, but literally that's all I did. I took my, my uh, accounts. I took all that money. I bought Subway sandwiches. The ice cream <laughs> guy would come around. I was 10, 12 years old. It's, it's ridiculous now, but I was always kind of like that hustler slash entrepreneur, right? Yep. <clears throat> Fast forward, uh, I turned 16 and my, somebody in my family, and we're still trying to figure out who it was, but they said, you got to go get a big boy job. Cutting grass is um, something to do that's fun when you're a kid. But it's not a real career. It's not a real business. Yeah. It's not. It's not something you're going to be able to take care of a family with. And I and I was 16 getting this advice, and I said, "Well, what do I know?" So uh, the closest business, if you did a little proximity radius bomb from where I lived, was a, a Little Caesars franchise. 
So the good old hot and ready $5 pizzas, right? God bless Little Caesars. <laughs> so I worked there as a crew member for uh, about a year, became a shift manager, became a co-manager, and you know a year later became a store manager. So I was 19 years old and I was uh, you know running my own little pizza shop. And again, I was 19 with a crew full of 18, 19, 20 year old kids. So it was pandemonium, it was a <laughs> lot of fun. We, we had so, I mean, so many lessons learned, right? Uh, what happened was I actually got laid off from that job uh, there's some corporate politics that part, you know, happened in there and we don't have to get into that. Uh, and then I was like, well, I'm a manager now, right? I'm not rank and file, uh, right. right? So I was a manager. This is my, my, my thinking. And you guys can laugh, laugh along with us. <clears throat> but uh, I went to like careerbuilder.com. Okay. And I just typed in uh, manager. And so I started getting spit out all these different manager jobs, right? And the first one that came to the top of the list was uh, route manager for True Green Chemlon. So the fertilizer company. Yep. And so I said, well, I can manage a bunch of people fertilizing, you know, a bunch of accounts, right? So I go in there, do this whole interview. And uh, all I remember hearing from the interview was we started at $11.50 an hour. And so I said, well, I need a job. I'm your guy. So the guy says, great, we'll see you here tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. And we'll get you in a truck and we'll teach you how to start spraying lawns. And my world went like this because I thought I was going to be managing people, all this stuff. No, a route manager, man, you're in the tanker truck spring lawns so it was a very uh abrupt change right yeah so anyway um really enjoyed working for true green for about a year and a half but here's the uh, i think the question that you're really looking for is when did it all change well i was already frustrated i was frustrated working at true green i was frustrated working for somebody else um, i just knew it wasn't for me you know like my, mm -hmm. my mom's an employee for a lot of different companies she's a great employee for me i'm that free-spirited I twitch, I'm very animated if you guys can't mm -hmm. tell. Uh, I like to talk with my hands. <laughs> so I, I needed some freedom. So I said, well, what can I do to get out of this job? And I don't forget the day, but the short story long is I'm spraying lawns. It's 85 degrees out. It's a you know, Michigan summer day, beautiful July day. And I'm in full PPE. So I have rubber boots, long pants, long sleeve shirt, my little true green hat. I'm like a model employee, mm -hmm. but I'm in this tanker truck that has no air conditioning and yeah. chemicals all over the place. <laughs> the smell, the odors, the it was just disgusting, honestly. And so as I'm like having this like, you know, quarter life crisis at 20 years old going, what am I doing here? Across the street pulls up this lawn care rig and these two young guys walk out uh, and I call this my, uh, my Baywatch moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. And these two young guys jump out and they're in t-shirts, you know, gym shorts, tennis shoes. And they were, you know, they had, uh, you know, their ear, uh, ear pods in back in the day, whatever they were. And, you know, they're, they're cutting grass, making 20, 30 bucks, living the dream. They're all tan. They're having, yep. a, they're having a great time drinking water and Gatorade. And I'm just like, like life slowed down one of those moments. Right. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, they're having fun. I perceive they're making money. I cut grass as a kid. And that was like this whole ultimatum. I said, you know what? I'm going all in to cut grass. I'm going to start a lawn care business. I did it as a kid. How much more different can it be as an adult? Uh, what I did not know is <laughs> a lot of things, right? I didn't know anything about running a business, scaling a business, accounting, finances, taxes, marketing. But you know what? I had hustle. I had ambition and, and I was ready to work. And, and there's a story in between here that, that I'm sure we'll get into. But I went out shortly thereafter, bought a commercial lawnmower. Uh, I started calling some of my old clients. Hey, I'm back in the business. And they said, thank you, Jesus, because we haven't had a reliable guy for four yes. or five years. Yep. So I, I immediately like picked up a dozen old clients and, and we were off to the races. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, one of the things I keep on hearing you say is this idea of hustle. When you were a little kid, how did that energy get expressed? You know, I don't know where it really comes from. We, we always try to uh, you know, pinpoint that. It's, we, I call it the responsibility gene. 
personally. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's just like, if you're a first child, sometimes you have that responsibility gene yeah. um, or some family expectations. Um, to be honest with you, not a lot of family expectations. There wasn't any like high achievers in our family. Great people, you know, had great careers and good jobs, but nobody was a, a multimillionaire or anything like that. And, and neither was I really predestined to be, right? If, if you go back to like my, my yearbook, uh, back when they used to like to give all the, um, you know what I'm talking people about. People used to sign things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a book, right. it's a paper, it's part of the internet, you print off, you put <laughs> it in a binder, right. to have some fun for my younger people. Uh, but yeah, so in the yearbook, it was, I, I guarantee you, if I look back on there, I was like voted most likely to not succeed. Because yeah. I was sleeping. I was so bored with high school. I was so bored with, with school in general. Um, you ever hear Dave back in the day, like, when am I ever gonna use this? Right. I, I, I kind of realized like at 16, 17, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted mm. to be a business owner. I was into the, the nicer things because I grew up so poor. Mm -hmm. we, we, we weren't like Eminem, eight mile destitute, but we had no nice clothes, no nice shoes. Uh, I didn't even go to our local town mall until I was like 19 or 20 years old. And I mm -hmm. walked in there and I went, holy cow, what is this place? And then I saw Hollister and Abercrombie and & Fitch and Aero Postel. And I said, that's where these people get these brands. Yep. And, and for us, we went to Walmart, we went to Meijer, mm -hmm. we went to Played Against Sports. So you gotta realize for me, a kid that grew up with nothing, I didn't have a pair of shoes that didn't have a hole in them until I was 20 years old. So I was like, I gotta change this. I wanna change this. I had no clue how to change it, but I knew that I didn't want to grow up or have my kids grow up the same way I did. And it's not an indictment on my parents. No. They did the best they could. Single right. mom, three kids. She, mm -hmm. she was working her butt off, bless her heart, right? And that's why I work so hard now, is not only take care of my wife, but my mom in the, in the later part of her life yep. to give her those last minute you know, moments that she can enjoy. Um, but the short story long was, uh, I, I just wanted to work. I wanted to hustle. I wanted to, I wouldn't say make a name for myself. I just wanted to start taking care of a lot of the needs. And I had like an income goal. I figured if I made this amount of money, it would start taking care of these little problems. And I figured if I made this much money, it would take care of these bigger problems. And so mm -hmm. the whole like needs versus wants, I, the last few years I've been trying to uh, satisfy a bunch of needs, you know, like a healthy, comfortable, stable lifestyle. And then, you know, as you know, you get older, find a girl, uh, date a girl, engage a girl, marry a girl. And I find out that she has big dreams and goals too. Mm -hmm. So this last, this last five years has been even more uh, transformative than the first 10 years of my company. How long have you been married? Uh, this is married for six, we've been together for eight. Okay. And it wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> She's the love of my life, so. By the way, um, you know, I'm part of the Enneagram cult. I don't know if you've ever heard of this mm -hmm. uh, person. Okay, uh -oh. it's big in Christian circles. I, okay. I'm surprised your wife probably hasn't done it at one of her Bible studies yet. Maybe I've whatever. heard of it, I'm not sure. Yeah, okay, because okay. <laughs> it, yeah. In your personality type, um, there's a similarity. One of the things that the number I am is the number eight, which I happen to think is the best number out of the nine numbers, but that's just because that's my number. Okay. <laughs> but one of the ideas is that um, my mom even said it because I'm a baby, the baby of four kids. And she said, you know, eights grow up and at a very young age, just think they have to take care of themselves. Mm. Okay. And my mom said, that was you four and five years old. Sure. Right. Like I'm like, I got to learn how to cook. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that kind of a thing. And so you know, I hear a little bit of that in there for you. It's like, you know, well, something happens early <clears> on. <throat> like, I just got to take care of this. Well, and that was the thing too. My, my older brother, um, uh, he's four years older than me, but he's legally blind. Okay. So in like the, the you know, old school, like kind of like hierarchy of the family, I'm kind of like the first yep. because he didn't get his license. He didn't do a bunch of those first things. So hmm. when it gets to me, normally you have like an older brother if you're the middle child, right? 
And by the way, if I if I'm animated or I twitch, that's why, because I'm the middle. <laughs> so I don't know what number that is. I guess it's number two, <laughs> uh, because I'm second of three. But but I had to go through all those first experiences. And the crazy thing was, my brother didn't do a lot of the the uh, very masculine macho jock stuff. No sports, no school, no no yeah. anything like that. So I had to learn all that. But outside of that, he was good academically, and I was not. not. <laughs> so when you're going through school, and I would go to you know. Uh, sixth grade class and Mr. Brewer would say, uh, oh, uh, what's your name? And I'd say Brian Fultz and he would go, oh, well, your older brother, Doug, was one of my star pupils. And I'm like, great. That won't be me. Yeah. Right? And, and that expectation happened literally, you know, six, hmm. six grades per year for, you know, six, seven, eight years I'm in school going through middle school. And, and every teacher would be like, oh, so you are he. So now I got this like standard and it was such a this, this dissonance because I was not good at academia right? Like tests and quizzes. I was good at remembering things, which I think is a really good skill set in life. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I couldn't figure out like to get to the process because I was very like, do it in my brain and they would want it on paper. And when you're an entrepreneur, you hear these things like a lot of entrepreneurs have um, dyslexia, a lot of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are on the spectrum, right? And there's all these different labels we put out there. And so if you're ever feeling like claustrophobic, like I'm not good at school, I'm not good at this, but I can get the result you're looking for. Like that's all that matters. Like yeah. like Henry Ford, they said was like uh, was an imbecile. And if you said that back like you know a hundred years ago, like they meant it. Mm -hmm. Like it was like you know, like a sentence. And I remember uh, reading a story once where they said Tom Ford or, or Henry Ford, somebody called him an imbecile, and he said, well, "Why is that?" And they said, "Well, you don't know the answer to like the simple question." And he said, "Well, give me one second. Hits a button on his desk. Guy walks in who's an engineer. Henry Ford says, "Hey, do you know how to solve this problem that this reporter is looking for?" Engineer figures out the problem in 20 seconds. Engineer goes away and goes, here's your answer. And the reporter said, well, that's not fair. And the Henry Ford said, well, why does it have to be? Like you wanted the answer. I got it for I you. I got it for you. And so that was kind of like my claim to fame this last five, 10 years. I, I don't have it all figured out, but I will get you the answer. And so I think uh, for me personally, uh, coming from so far back, it was one of my motives to surround myself with really good people. And so, and again, since you're sharing so much of your life over the um, YouTube and, and different things like that, I watch you now, you're sitting in this position that, you know, your hard work's paying off, mm -hmm. your experience is success, and you're doing good things with it. Okay, so a kid who comes from nothing, mm -hmm. right, or, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of money, different things like that. No privilege. Okay, no privilege at all, right? You sit here now, and you have, um, you, you've made it. Okay, so for most people, I'm good, right? Mm -hmm. Like that would be where we'd say, I'm, I'm, I'm accomplishing my goals, I'm gonna keep working my plan. You make this interesting decision to say, I'm gonna start to share this with other people on how to get here. Mm. And I, I, I was listening to you again, you know, you've, you've, you've talked me to sleep and while I'm driving my zero turn, I'm listening yeah. to you and different things like that. Sure. And one of the things you said <clears> is, is that n no one left you a trail of crumbs to the path of success. Right. Something along those lines. No one really kind of sat you down until probably a little later on with the Bedell and those mm -hmm. people who kind of helped show you some ways. Absolutely. But like, you know, you sit here and you're deciding, you're like, hey, I figured out a couple of paths. Now I'm going to give that to whoever wants, mm -hmm. right? Not even just to people I like, right? right? Just to sure. whoever, whoever clicks here and listens to that. Um, why did you decide to go that road? Uh, to, to answer your question, it's, it's as simple as what you just said. The Brian's Lawn Maintenance or the Brian Fuller, Tim, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, back in 07, 08, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid. You got to realize context back then. I was working at Little Caesars making $37,000 a year. Today's money, fast food manager, 65, 80, 90 grand. People right. don't know that most folks at a Taco Bell that's a store manager make 80 to 100 grand. 
<clears throat> so when you go from that income down to, uh, well, I got fired, it was later reversed, but my unemployment was also denied. So I have zero income. So what do I do? I go back to what I know, right? So here's the deal though. What I knew was my worldview was the, the tip of a pinhead that if I would have inserted into a tennis ball, I, had, I didn't have any clue, any perspective. Hmm. My, my worldview, how much worldview can you have as an 18, 19 year old poor kid wow. living in a trailer? I didn't have any buddy in our family making six figures. I knew no wealthy business owners. I knew no wealthy entrepreneurs. So, so YouTube wasn't a thing. We couldn't go on Instagram. There wasn't even Google. I mean, not to date myself on the, on the YouTube video, yeah. you know, but, but that was the reality of it. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is you go into an industry, like you said, that's very competitive. That if I, if you and I have a conversation, uh, like, hey, what, what do you charge for, you know, this XYZ service? And if I was working in your same 20 mile radius, what, yeah. what do you think the reality of you giving me that answer is? Right. Very slim. <clears throat> so it was a very, that's what we used to say, like throw mud up against the wall and see what sticks. That was my business career for 10 years. And so, so the fast forward 10 years in, I realized like, dude, things have got to change. And for things to change externally, we, we've all heard before, they have to change internally. So my, my catalyst, the precursor to this, to, to button up my whole life story was, I get engaged, I meet a girl, and we um, do all the niceties on your wedding day, right? The ceremony. For death to us part, for richer or poor. Well, I'm realizing as I'm doing this, I'm having this out of body surreal experience. <laughs> Uh, right now we're probably in the for poorer part. <laughs> uh, right now I just told my wife that I'm gonna give you the moon. I'm gonna take care of you. This whole grandiose thing, right? And it's very typical for anybody who's ever been married or you know a newlywed couple. Uh, you you go from this beautiful wedding and this beautiful uh, season even of the wedding to the ceremony to the wedding to the honeymoon, right? It is the best two three weeks two three months of your life. And then what happens? And you know where I'm going with this. Right, yeah, the reality. Reality comes back. We go to an apartment that's 700 square feet. Uh, it is 12-year-old moldy carpet with a mystery stain. Uh, <laughs> we have no nice pots and pans. Our kitchen is from the 80s, from the 90s. Um, the, the air conditioning never worked. It was uh, a halfway house, as I call it. Mm -hmm. And But you know what? We're young, dumb, broke couple. We're just getting our life started. But the reality was... I had made all these grandiose uh, promises to my wife and I wasn't gonna be made out as a liar. I just realized I have to fix this. Now, the reality was 12, 18 months before, I was sitting pretty. I was making 40 grand a year. And as a single guy, 40 grand a year to me was a decent little income. Right. But the reality was, Dave, what if we wanted to start a family? Dave, my wife wanted a house. Uh, Dave, my wife wanted cars that actually, you know, uh, stopped when you hit the brake right? <laughs> and actually go when you hit the gas, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, we liked, my wife wanted this. She was, she was so materialistic, Dave. She wanted air conditioning. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, like how dare her, right? right. So I, I'm being a little facetious and having some fun, but, but literally as a guy, we can live in a pup tent and eat Cheetos right. uh, for my, for my wife. She was saying, well, how are we going to raise a family? How mm -hmm. are we gonna have a nice house? And I'm not talking about a $1.5 million mansion. I just mean like a nice subdivision home, a nice existence. Where the air conditioning works. Yeah, the air conditioning. Right, I mean, yeah. these and the air conditioning, ironically enough, went out on a vehicle like 12 months later. And we went out without air conditioning for a little while. <laughs> and I don't make these stories up. Like they're documented on our vlogs, they're documented on YouTube. And and, and our, our apartment, here's how big 700 square feet is, just for reference. When you can plug your vacuum cleaner into the middle of the apartment and go from end to end, Without unplugging, without it. unplugging it, you know you have a tiny space. Yeah. So the home I'm designing right now, we're in the process of building a custom home. I think my gun locker is 700 square feet. 
Okay, <laughs> and I'm just being serious. Yeah. Um, so the the I don't think there's a room in my house that's going to be less than 700 square feet. So I'm very very excited. But this last five years, absolutely transformative. Um, the word I I often use to describe it is metamorphosis, because when a, a caterpillar goes into the cocoon and it comes out a butterfly, mm -hmm. there's very little, if any, of the actual physiological like DNA. That's still left in the cat, uh, the butterfly. Yeah, the chrysalis that it yeah. becomes. Yeah, it, it's literally metamorphosis. So, like, for who I am just five years ago to who I am right now, saying the things I'm saying, the way I talk, and how I think, is not even Brian Fullerton five years ago. And that was the precursor to getting on YouTube. I said, well, I'm going to go through this whole transformative process. I've got some things figured out. We got a decent little business, um, but I need to grow. And I said, if I'm going to put in the second win. I want to do it with everybody. Why? I have no idea. Okay. I mean, there was there was no like, God, you know, given this, uh, you know, voice, the audible voice of the Lord, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It was, I had bought my wife a camera, a DSLR camera, like this video is being shot on, just a nice camera. And my wife wanted to do beauty vlogging and like mm -hmm. hair and makeup. And we always joke nowadays because if she would have done that, then we probably would be millionaires because that niche is huge. Right, like long care. Yeah, like, if you would have just let her pursue that a little bit just more. Little, I was yeah. like, I was like, hey, go get them. Yeah. So, so she, um, God bless her, but she had like, you know, stage fright and putting yourself out there on the internet, talking, you know, uh, conveying a thought. It, it's a lot harder than people realize. So I give the YouTubers a lot of credit. Um, but that that camera that I had bought her for Christmas, which by the way, it was eight hundred dollars. That was like the equivalent of us today spending eighty thousand dollars. Right. I you mean, just didn't have it. We did not have it, and I was like. And I wasn't like, hey, I'm gonna get you this camera to go get rich. It was like, I just wanna give my wife one nice thing, right? And this was like, I think we had been married for maybe a year, maybe two years. And I was like, dude, I feel like such a loser. And I don't know if I just had worked some overtime at this warehouse job, whatever it was, but I got her this camera. And we had no idea like this camera would turn into like this, this whole empire, right? That was like the thing, the seed that had grown this whole thing. So, let me ask you this yeah. though. Okay. Because so you make this decision that I'm going to kind of reboot, yeah. right? And I'm going to take whoever wants to watch along with it. Yeah. You could have you could have just shown the good parts, mm -hmm. right? But you made the decision to say, I'm going to show you like the things I've messed up, sure. the things that I did that. Why did you decide to even not only be generous and say, hey, I'm going to show you how I'm doing this, but like, I'll also tell you where I screw up because that's really where sure. a lot of people learn, right? right? You know, And so... That, that right there is probably the answer. You, you don't, I always joke, and we've heard it from many successful people, you don't learn when you win, you learn when you fail. Well, <laughs> you had to realize my career at this point. It was 10 years of not exactly winning. Right. So, so, so a long <laughs> list of. We had a couple wins along the way, but um, the reality was if we had 10 years of losing, we had 10 years of learning. And so, same thing, to go full circle to what you were asking earlier. Why, why did we start this with leaving those breadcrumbs? It was for the breadcrumbs of Brian Fullerton 10 years ago. It was, hey, there's other 18, 19, 20 year old kids that probably have an insurmountable amount of pressure to go to school that just know they don't wanna do that. They, and, and for where we live in Metro Detroit here, it's the, the dominant conversation, and correct me if I'm wrong. You no, know, it's, it, it's the pathway. It's, 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 you're 18 and the career counselor says, it doesn't say, are you going to go to college? It's, which college are you going to? Mm -hmm. It doesn't say, are you going to go work at Ford, Chrysler, GM? It's which of the big three, after you go to the big two colleges, state or Michigan, mm -hmm. are you going to go work at? Right. It's not even a, a, a proposition of being an entrepreneur or a blue collar person. In my, my humble opinion, it was never pipe fitter, construction worker, carpenter. By the way, 60 grand, 100 grand, 100 grand. 
And I'm mm -hmm. not saying make all your life choices on the dollar bill, but it was just, I was never presented the other option personally. Yep. And, and for me, I think it's such a disservice in our, in our school system that a lot of kids don't want to go to college. And they think that the alternative is McDonald's. And I can introduce you to a do dozens of people that make six figures having a construction business or uh, are construction guys that clean up and they mm -hmm. do really well, more than some of those guys in the automotive industry. Absolutely. So um, I don't know where if that, if that answered your question, but um, yeah, so where we were was uh, my wife had this camera. Uh, we wanted to, I, I said, I wanna start leaving some breadcrumbs. I wanna start showing what I've done wrong, maybe not so much what I've done right. And I, I didn't like go into it, that was my MO. I wasn't like, hey, I'm gonna be the guru. I was like, hey, my name's Brian, I run a lawn care business, I'm just gonna show some stuff up on the internet that I have. And, and I wasn't totally aware either of, of who I was or how big my business was or how um, inadequate it was, to be totally honest with you. Because yeah. I, I didn't know, I didn't know. I thought there was one or two lawnmower brands out there, which is what I was exposed to. I didn't know there was two dozen lawnmower brands. So, so by putting myself out there, um, I was subject to the opinions of they, the opinions of everyone, right? And so two things happen. I was able to help out people, and that was kind of my MO. Hey, I'm gonna help you guys get to a 50 grand a year business. What's the best trimmer? What's the best blower? How to sling mulch? All these things that we do in our industry day to day. What I didn't know over the last four or five years is how influential the community, I call it, of the lawn care professionals, this industry, would be in influencing me. See, here's the reality is that when you post a video and it gets 1,000 views and 20 comments, and you say, well, hey, we're mowing grass this way, or we're doing this thing this yeah. way, and somebody says, you know, there's 10 comments, right? And, and four of them are, hey, we love you, great job. Four of them are, um, you know, hey, that's cool, man, you know, go get them. And then two say, hey, why did you do it this way? And one other one says, well, what we do is this instead. And I said, oh, interesting, I've never thought about that. Because my worldview was so microscopic. So I got a couple pieces of feedback, right? And we changed a little thing. And then we did another video and it got 1,500 views because the channel's grown, right? And we would get 20 comments and we would get 17 comments saying, hey, awesome channel, love the content. And two would say, well, why are you doing it this way? And why are you doing it that way? Okay. And, of, and of course you'd have the one out there that's a critic yep. saying, you know, why are you giving this info away? Or what's going on, right? But you gotta extrapolate this out, right? This is a five-year story here. 700 videos, 25 million channel views, which is crazy. So your, your mega stadium where you live is 25,000 seats, times by four is 100,000, right? We get that like every day, every other day. Yep. So there's a lot of influence, a lot of feedback coming in. So here, here's, here's, my, here's my proposition. If you were me that didn't have a clue and you had all this feedback coming in, what would you do? Listen to it, study it, measure it, and incorporate it. So five years later, millions and millions of views, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of comments and suggestions, it would be a shame on me, it would be a disservice on me if I didn't become a better person. How could you not become a better person? Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm... Oh, there's people who wouldn't. I mean, right? possibly, like, possibly, so. but, but when you have that hunger and that, and that drive and you're like, I need answers, and then somehow you put yourself on the internet and everybody's giving you first opinions, of course. Yep. So you gotta vet, but then I'm starting to take this thing and I make this Frankenstein thing and I start taking your best thought and your best thought and this guy's best thought. And then I start realizing I can hire people, I can hire professionals, I can, I can go hang out with Dave and other people. And I can take this best thought, this best thought, this best thought. So all I've done is the guy that was underprivileged, I just said, look at all this info, right? And then I can, I can distill it, right? I can dilute it and say, what's the best? And so over the last five years, 
it's not like I'm any special person. I've just taken all that info, uh, that accumulated all of that info, distilled it. Uh, I had to discern it, you know, for me, uh, which took weeks and months and years of digesting it. But what we're able to come out with is this beautiful finished product, this raw info, this raw passion, this raw answers, this, hey, if you do exactly this, you'll get that result. If you do exactly this, you'll get that result. And, and you might've heard me say on podcasts or YouTube videos, like I know what levers to pull yep. because I, I've taken, I mean, I think we had like 25 or 27,000 comments last year on YouTube. So, I mean, mm. if you get, if you get hundreds of thousands of data points, I mean, you're, you're going to figure out a couple, you're going to figure out a couple things, and which you, fires me up by the way. Yeah, no. And, uh, and it speaks to a, l- a little bit of a humility side that you're willing to say, all right, I'll hear someone out, right? Oh, like, that's, yeah. well, that's a big deal because, well, when you're when you're 19 and broke as a joke, or 27 broke in a joke, you know, yeah. and 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 you know, I could have the ego and say I got it all figured out, but the reality was I'm in a 700 square foot apartment. I'm driving a, a 10 year old used Infinity. My wife is going to job making 14 dollars an hour. Good for her. Driving a piece of junk sled car as well. Clearly, I didn't have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. So. I wasn't going to let my, this was just me and, and I'm not a hero, but I just was not going to let my ego get in the way of taking care of my family. I, right. I just, I just couldn't yeah, so, do it. Yeah. Like boom goes the dynamite, right? That idea of like, I'm not going to let my ego get in the way of me taking care of my family. Amen. You think about all the applications for that statement, mm-hmm. right? Like not, oh, yeah. not even in a business world, but like, let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about like, you know. So maybe I'll listen to my wife when she starts to say, hey, I, I don't like where this is going, sure. right? Well, like, that, you know. that was the catalyst for me. If I, when I started listening to my wife, everything changed. Really? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you concur, David? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely, honey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, blink if you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, and when I was listening to you and I start to hear these ideas of, you know, belief, faith, and so forth come through, you know, one of the things that we we always talk about here, especially at, at our church, is different things like God works through whatever you do, mm-hmm. right? So I have a good friend, patent attorney, right? God works through that, right? Yeah. We have uh, we have pastors, we have people who are you know construction workers, you know, like I just think about a couple of the construction workers that I've gotten to work with in my life, and like all the people who they've blessed just by using that skill, Amen. right? Like West Virginia, Mexico, here, like all these things that you know they they've created life change. And so, you know, you have your faith and how, how do you see that um, being used in what you do in your vocation and your job? I mean, that's, that's a great question. I mean, um, the simple answer is how, how we've done it with my wife and I, because in Metro Detroit, it's, um, it's a melting pot, mm-hmm. right? Religion, spiritualities, um, denominations, right? So, and plus we're also up here in the North. Right uh, down south, it's not uncommon for somebody to name their business. Uh, you know, it's his landscape or it's his business, right? right? Um, resurrection, you know, know resurrection, lawn care, yeah, yeah. faith, landscaping. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, in the north, uh, and I'm not, you know, uh, promoting this, but in the north, it's like, uh, hey, you run a company, and like, oh, you're a Christian on the side. Like, it's not you're not on the side, but right. we're not actively uh, witnessing and you know, ministering. Some maybe some people are. But in the north, it's, it's a little different in the north, right? So, so for me, um, I call it lifestyle ministry, right? I like being a successful businessman, and then people who ask the right questions say, "Why is that person successful?" 
right? And by the way, I don't profess to be successful. I'm definitely not a finished product, but we're on that journey. But when you look at somebody who can say, well, they're wealthy um, and they're, they're, they're making money, they're a successful businessman. But you gotta back up a question. You gotta take that Google Maps and pinch it and zoom out and say, why are they successful? What's going on behind the scenes, right? Um, and by the way, I love what you said a second ago is like the construction work can be uh, being able to spread their faith just as much as the pastor can. Mm -hmm. In fact, potentially even more. more. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I've loved people saying that, um, I heard a saying once that God doesn't uh, uh, equip, uh, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Because I said, I'm just a lawn care guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. But again, if God's going to put people in my path that I'm supposed to talk to and give me a platform to pour into people, so that's where you kind of bake this stuff in, that's what I like to do. So I'm not like a, you need Jesus and, you know, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're broke, it's because you're not giving financially. But I would say is, hey, I'm probably the most generous person you know, and I'm not talking we leave 20% tips, you know, at the, at the mm -hmm. restaurant. But when somebody needs something anonymously and you give and you tithe and you, and you do the basics and the requirements that, that a lot of our faith suggests and requires us, that's good, but you can see people get promoted. And the people that are obedient and the people that are givers and they're generous and they're, they're givers, not takers, right? You can see that those people typically prosper. So for me, again, remember, I, I, I had no worldview. I was, I was a spiritual mutt. I was a financial mutt. Yep. So I, I had to learn all this stuff and discern it. And I just realized, hey, the wealthiest people in life, for the most part, are givers, right? Even people that are evil, that have money, still give a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be a Christian to understand how spiritual principles work on this planet, in my opinion. Okay? You, okay. There's, there's no prerequisite that you have to be a Christian to be a giver to be blessed. In this world system, if you give, you get. That's a spiritual principle. You don't have to even be a Christian to, a, to, to subscribe to that. Okay. Because I know people that are secular that give and they get. Right. Yeah. So, so people are like, well, how come that, that billionaire who's evil? Well, because he gives a lot of money. So if you're broke, right, you have to start. You, for, it might be just with a dollar, right? I, I love talking about giving because to me, I think something that's um, been the biggest catalyst of our success and growth in the last few years is our generosity. I mean, literally, we give crazy. And the right hand shouldn't know what the left hand's doing. But at the same point, we give, we give, we give. And first, when I first became a baby Christian, 121.07, I was like, hey, we got to start tithing now. This guy that you know I was working with, and uh, he goes, uh, he led me to Christ. And he goes, you need to start, uh, it's a suggestion, you can start tithing. Well, what's that? He goes, we got to give 10%. I was like, 10% of what? Right. <laughs> like, he goes, your finances. I go, hey, no problem, man. 10% off my net paycheck. I can do that. He goes, Maybe try gross. And I said, 10% off the gross? No, Dave, you got to realize, like my finances, yeah, yeah, no, we, we were redlined. So right. for me to give 10%, I had to do something drastic, like not eat out, uh, you know, maybe change my subscriptions or something like that, get rid of TV, whatever you, it was. You didn't have to get rid of Netflix, did you? Uh, well, there wasn't even around back oh, then, yeah, remember? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ancient. No, they were mailing DVDs then. Well, is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah I so. went from Blockbuster from four rentals a month to three. Oh, okay. Well, um, you're a giver. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Actually, what happened is I put the I took the movies back on time and I got all those late fees back. Oh, wow, well, yeah. That was my... <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're over 30, you can relate to that yeah. part. Um, so, but, but here's the reality. At the beginning, I wasn't tithing. I was giving as much as I could until I could organize my finances to make that, um, that budget, that, that um, margin to start giving. And eventually, within a couple months, I was tithing. Well, and this is one of the things that I think about, like not just you, know, you influencing hundreds of thousands of people, right? But one of the things that ends up happening 
is that I am. Um, you want to take a break for a second? Sure. Okay. Someone stole my other uh, power adapter, so. You're good. That was a really fast change, Corey. This guy's quick. Mm hmm. And he has shaky hands, so it's always impressive to watch him do things. All right. You're good. Good. Thank you. Um, but I think about like you taking just this idea of giving, mm -hmm. all right? So now the 20 year old guy who's starting or a girl who's starting their business, right? And they're sitting there and they hear this. It's like now you've given them something else to consider, right? Mm. And you're, you're taking them from this, again, like you said, that you, you a needle and a tennis ball, right? That's your worldview. And you're helping them see, wait, there's more going on sure. than just me making some money here, mm -hmm. right? What am I gonna do with that? And and I think about like, as you talk about this idea of you know generosity financially, humility and so forth, is that you think about the education that people are receiving just because you're willing to share what you've learned mm. by running your head up against the wall. Sure. You know, it's like, oh, that didn't work out, that didn't work yeah. out, that didn't work out, and then it so, did, so. Well, and, and that's the thing, like, uh, you know, it's, the, the, the secret isn't just tithing or just giving, right? Because faith without works is dead, right? So people are like, well, I give all the time. I'm like, well, do you ever leave your house and go work? Well, no, well, how can God bless you? Like, it's like saying God's gonna uh, steer a parked car. We've all heard that one, okay. right? So you have to work, right? So what did I do? An insane, incredible amount of work this last five years that I've done my best to document, but the camera's not running 24-7. Right. You know, like I always joke, the bag's under the ice. Um, I used some of my wife's eye cream this morning. <laughs> We're joking really because I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Um, but those are earned. And that's the thing too is like I was so determined to change my finances where I couldn't see straight. Like it was such a passion and it still is where just because I took care of the needs of myself and then my wife, it's not, it's not over. Because I realized... I can start helping other people. And so when you have this, this answer, this formula, like, dude, if I, if I do this and I do that and I work hard and I give and I, and I do the right things, I can start taking care of other people. Because, you know, I, I turned, by the way, this whole age story, I was 20 to 30. I call that the dark ages. <laughs> you know, from 30 to 35, at 30, I'm turning turn 35 in June. Um, this last five years has been transformative like no other. But here's the deal, like we have the formulas, we have the team, we have the business, we have the systems. We're starting to get a platform. So now it's like game on. Most people, like you said, they'll just ride that wave and coast and say, I made it and I arrived. I, I, I don't know what that looks like. Just like where the Bible doesn't talk about retirement, people are like, what are you gonna retire to? Uh, you kidding me? I'm having the most fun I've ever had in my life. You're right. I mean, like I wake up doing this, um, I, I'm motivated. So I wanna help more people. And so I realized like this responsibility this last few years. Mm -hmm. I said, I realized I can leave breadcrumbs for the Brian Fullerton 10 years ago, and we're doing that morning, day and night. There's other people that we wanna reach that I can't necessarily reach, but I can have other people in on our platform to minister to. But then I also, like you said earlier, I love baking these truths into what we do as well. I can't just, it's a long care YouTube channel. We we're, have we're a long care podcast. And I guess I could say, hey, if you wanna be successful, start giving 10% of your income. But I can also just say, and that's how I perceive we do it in the North, is, hey guys, just go out there and do good things and good things will happen. Okay. What am I teaching there? I'm teaching sowing and reaping, mm -hmm. right? I can say, hey, um, you know, with, with a good attitude and this, this, and this, um, guys, you, you can have a better day. And I'm teaching like these Christian truths and beliefs from my opinion, and I'm baking that into our content. Mm -hmm. And by the way, like I also always wonder, maybe that's why we're being blessed. Like maybe we're being blessed because we're on a mission. Maybe we're being blessed because we're being used. Okay. 
right? That, that's how I perceive it. So then another part, like people are like, what about the haters and the trolls and the people coming against you? Well, dude, if we're being blessed, think about that. Who are you coming against? You're not coming against me. That would be suicide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have, I don't lose any sleep about any of that stuff because when you know you're in God's will and you know you're in your purpose, you have the blinders on. The distractions don't get to you, okay. right? So that's just, I know that's kind of um, zealot and very out there, but to me, we're just very focused. We're passionate. What we're doing is working. And, and, and also, I don't know how to articulate this. Maybe you can help me land this yeah, airplane. We'll but but for what I also notice is that for me, it's this obedience, this responsibility, this stewardship. I call it fear. <laughs> I, I'm being blessed so much where I'm like, I'm not going to miss a tithe check, as we call it. I'm not going to miss a payment. It's not a payment. You guys know what I'm saying. But I'm not going to miss my tithe. I'm not going to miss offering. I'm, look, if you have all this coming in, you got to realize five years ago, our take-home income was 40, 50,000 bucks. This year, it's many multiples of that and, and, and multiples, multiples. And then it's growing, right? So if you come from that to here and you think that you're the one that, you know, made all this stuff happen, sure, I worked hard, but there's no way I worked hard enough to have this multiplier effect to get it to where it is today. So, yeah. so if somebody's multiplying you and somebody's adding increase and I was struggling to make a tithe payment back then, See, here's the thing, we've all heard this. Like, if you can't make a tithe payment on 40,000 bucks, you will not make a tithe payment on 400,000. Right. Yeah, and, and just like anything, you can outspend any of amount course. of money you make and so forth. You know, one of the things that, and maybe this will help you, but what uh, Joe, one of our pastors, he always points out is, you know, God starts with relationship. Think about Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And then, long down the line, he gave us the Ten Commandments, the rules. Mm -hmm. You know, God is always interested in a relationship with you and I, and and the rules are because he loves us. He doesn't give them to us to punish us. It's like, no, I'm going to give you these things to protect you. Sure. And like part of you, where you're probably sitting right now is, is that for some reason, somehow, you, through that time of being humbled and learning and probably, you know, you're repenting and you're, and you're, and you're trying to let God change your life. What, what's probably happening during that time is why you're experiencing what you're experiencing right now is because for 15 years, even before what you said, some date of 2007, when you were yeah. saying, God, God's been working on your heart. Right. Right. And so like, now you're just in this spot where it's like, oh, I see things very differently. A thousand percent. Right. There, there's no way we would have been able to take care of the, the fame, Fame, you know, quotations, right. but the fame, the, the, um, the spotlight, the, the finances. No, we were not there four or five years ago. So last thing I want to talk to you about, you guys got your first kid on the way. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. That's I, probably gonna be a girl. Uh, you and know, girl. that's what we're both thinking and yeah. feeling. You yeah, know? yeah. So I only make girls. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, well, you know what they say, right? If it's all girls, there's enough masculinity in the family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that is true for me. So I even have a girl dog. Hey, if that's uh, not worth a thumbs up yeah. on the YouTube video, I don't know what is. Yeah. And so one of the things, you obviously you don't want to spoil your kid and, you know, give them all the things that you didn't have. I, I know that's not how you're, you're not doing this for that reason. Yeah. What are some characteristics you and Liz would like your children to see in you and then adopt as they grow up? Ooh, that's a good question. That's like a parent question yeah. from a parent to an mm -hmm. expecting parent. What kind of um, things do we want to instill into our kids or lessons they want to learn from us? Yeah, that they would see and that you would want them to carry on after you're gone. You know, um, I, would, I would say the first one is, well, I want to teach my kids thought process, not so much work. 
you know, because you can yeah. work, anybody can work, but it's the missing ingredient to me was the thought process. Mm. It was how to manage finances, how to manage relationships, how to manage people, debt, things, stewarding. I want to, te- I want to teach my kids that you don't own it. You're just, you're just here for a blip in time. You're managing. Yeah, you're managing. Yeah. You, you really are. And that's why I don't say like, hey, it's my YouTube channel. Like we own the login info, I guess, but it's, it, it's stewarding to help people like Dave and many other people. Um, to answer your question, that's a good one. Um, and if you don't have an answer right now, that's fine because you don't even have a kid yet. Yeah, so you haven't even. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want my, I want to teach my kids that, and, and maybe this is the thing that I would leave with you guys is that, no matter where you start, it doesn't have to determine how you finish. I mean, yeah. The, the, the I don't know any other way to say it that like if I can do it, you can do it. That whole story. I mean, mm-hmm. I came from zero income, zero influence. You know, Dave, they say like, it's not, uh, you know, what you know, it's who you know. Uh, well, I didn't know anybody. So what was my prospects for life in that equation? Zero, right? So I didn't know anything. I didn't know anybody. We had no power, no fame, no money, no fortune, no wealth, no privilege, no anything. And so if I can learn in just four or five years, how to start accumulating some of that stuff and to start using it to benefit other people and humanity and watch it get blessed along the way, that's what I want to teach my kids. I, I don't know the best way to articulate yeah, that. You did a very good job, by the way. Yeah, I, I just want to teach my kids that like, they're going to realize when they hit 10, 12 years old that they have it pretty good. If things keep on this current trajectory, they're going to have a nice home and the cars and we're going to mm-hmm. have that, that cushion. Don't worry, they won't yeah. appreciate it. No, 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 yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that's something that I want to teach my kids. Um, I want to teach my kids generational stuff. I want to teach my kids that what mommy and daddy built that you can take and not only take it, but grow it, multiply it, and do it the right way. Yeah. Um, I, that's something that's really on my heart because, I don't know, this is just something that for me, it's like, I look at my lineage, and I realize like we we're in this, honestly Dave, this negative spiral, and nobody would profess that, and I'm not putting that on anybody. No, no. It, but it's just the reality is like, my last name, let's say there's 10 or 12 or 20 generations of my last name, nobody came with a portfolio. Nobody came with any, uh, houses. We didn't have, you know, mansions on uh, the New England coast, right? A summer home. We didn't have anything in Lake Michigan. And I'm not just talking about the material trappings, but all of that stuff, nothing got transferred for 800 years to me. I don't even know my grandfather. He passed away when I was young. My dad passed away when I was 16 or 17. So when you look at having to be the first and learn everything, it sucks. It yeah. sucks. It takes, it's a lot of, you know what it is, Dave, if you want to be honest with you? It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of crying. It's a lot of uh, sleepless nights. It's a lot of tough stuff that you got to deal with that you got to face these fears. You got to face these demons. You got to face these enemies. You got you to overcome a lot of this stuff. And so that's what people don't understand is like the outward is a direct reflection of the inward. And when it takes 10 to 15 years to fix that, I'm going to fight like hell to make sure that my kids know what it takes because I don't want them to have to go through the same struggles I did. Now, they'll still have to go through struggles, right. but I can teach them thought process to help minimize that learning curve. Maybe they have to deal with the same stupid stuff that we all do as guys. And maybe it takes them a year, two, three, five years instead of 10 or 15. There, there's no doubt that they're gonna have to go through those same lessons, right? They can't get fit watching somebody else work out, <laughs> okay? But they're still gonna have to go through, but I can minimize some of that stuff. And then once they're done, and they're never done, but once they have a lot of this foundation built, 
they can start growing, they can start multiplying, they can start being effective. I'm not gonna rest on my laurels that I was a successful person because if you're not leaving a legacy and putting that into your kids that they grow up to be successful, I'm not gonna, I would hope that people don't judge me until I'm able to have great kids. And so that's, that's my, my charge, that's what I'm excited about. Yes, I'm excited about fatherhood. Yes, I'm excited about you know, building this home and all this other fun stuff that we got going on behind the scenes. But I want to raise up that next generation. And it starts with my kids, but it also starts with our YouTube audience. Well, again, this is the I'm Glad I Heard That podcast. So if you could subscribe on our YouTube channel and uh, hit the like button. And also, if you do like listen to us on the podcast formats, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to and uh, share a positive comment and uh, rate us a five star because that really helps with a lot of our analytics. Brian, thank you so much for the time today. This is great. Thanks for having me on the show, brother. I appreciate it. Great.